Hi, and welcome to another edition of Manifesting Melchizedek. We now join Pastor David Vaught teaching at Abundant Life Ministries in Bella Vista, Arkansas. This is part four of a study named Partakers of the Divine Nature. Now, I'm not planning to do a deep review of the first three messages in this series since we have the recordings available. But I am aware that we must continue to build on the things that we have learned thus far, so I believe a short review is necessary. In our last lesson, we began to look at Jesus Christ as our only example of a man in Scripture who demonstrated what it means to be a partaker of the divine nature. And according to our key scripture found in the salutation of Peter's second letter to the church, Christ is making it possible for us to share in that same divine nature, his divine nature, through the process of obtaining full knowledge of him. And he sealed the possibility of sharing in his divine godly nature with promises. Let's read our key scripture again to refresh it in our minds. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 3 and 4 from the New King James Version. Scripture says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I believe the purpose of the Holy Spirit teaching us about these exceedingly great and precious promises is to prepare us for the next step in our return journey back into Him. We know that all along the way in our return to Him, He has been in full control of the itinerary and the steps we must take along the way. He continues to teach us about the purpose for His creation, and He continues to give us glimpses of His plan to achieve that purpose. He's teaching us to see things the way He sees them, to see from His perspective as much as we are able to in our current condition. He continues to teach us about himself, giving us a glimpse into his infinite attributes as he prepares us to see him in all of his glory. And he continues to teach us that we must turn and turn again until all that we are is facing toward him during this process. And now he is showing us that the processing we are experiencing on this return journey has been promised to us throughout Scripture through what he calls exceedingly great and precious promises given to us. Now, thus far in this study, we have learned that these promises are actually called the greatest and most precious promises because they're given in the superlative sense of the adjective. And we also learned that to be a partaker means to be a sharer, to become one who shares in the divine nature. We also learned that the tense of the word partaker or sharer implies that there is a joint participation in the action from all who share. In other words, it requires action on God's part, but also requires action on our part, on all of us, God and us. This process requires action from all who share in the divine nature. He won't fulfill these greatest and most precious promises without our full participation in the process. He designed it that way. 
Sharing his divine nature is reserved for those who are fully committed, those who are all in, those who are 100% sold out to the process. We also learn that the words divine nature mean having the very nature of God, based on being birthed from him. In other words, the divine nature referenced in these promises stems from his action and purpose to reproduce himself in his sons through the womb of time, thereby establishing us as his family. His purpose is to ensure that this process requires active participation from all of us in order to become sharers in the divine nature. Think about it this way. Just as a natural reproduction process involves participation from three, the father, the mother, and the child, the spiritual reproduction process also involves participation from three, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the body of Christ, which is the Son, the man-child. Now, we also learn that this is the only scripture in our Bibles where the two words divine and nature are found in the same verse. I believe that being the only reference to something named the divine nature adds even more emphasis to this key scripture. And finally, as we search scriptures for the greatest and most precious promises related to sharing in the divine nature, we found verses that describe the process of our transformation, our transfiguration into his likeness. And we discovered that the process begins in our mind. And our mind, when fully renewed into his mind, will also change our bodies to be like his glorious body, to become like him, to be formed into his likeness. Now today, he is turning our attention to additional references to the joint participation which he has mandated for this process. I think that most Christians have struggled in their personal and futile attempts to be or to become something that they can't be or become on their own. It only makes sense that we can't even begin to share in divine nature without his strong arm upholding us, fully participating with us, and his spirit leading us through the process every step of the way. We know scriptures that tell us about how we should be or how we should act, what we should do and what we shouldn't do, and yet without his miraculous power to change us, our attempts will always prove to be simple will-worship destined to ultimately fail. No amount of trying to change yourself can truly succeed without His power to help in the process. Oh, you may change some habits, but the underlying reason you originally formed those habits will remain unless He removes the root of the problem with His holy cleansing fire and sword, the Spirit and Truth. And so, as we find outlined in Scripture, he involves himself in our perfection at every step along the journey. Otherwise, we would never achieve the goal, purpose, and plan he has outlined for his sons. So today, I believe he wants us to consider some Scriptures that describe the joint participation necessary for this process, which culminates in our becoming partakers of the divine nature. As I was listening to and conversing with the Spirit about his design for our journey back into him, he reminded me of the circular nature of our growth pattern in him. It begins in him, 
traverses through him and ultimately returns back into him. Or as the Amplified Bible says it, this is in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, again from the Amplified Bible. It says, For from him and through him and into him are all things. For all things originate with him and come out from him. All things live and move through him, and all things center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. To him be glory forever. Amen. And then he showed me that I had this circular journey wrongly turned on its side. In other words, I always drew the circle in a in a horizontal fashion when I was thinking of it in my mind. In other words, he said, you've been looking at this circular journey from the side rather than from the bottom. And then he stood the circle upright in my mind. And I found myself at the bottom of the circle. And he said, the remainder of your journey is ascension because your origin is above. In other words, you started above in me. You are now transversing the circle down and around and through me. But all of the remainder of your journey is ascension. The rest of it is moving back up into me. Now, as we quoted previously, Jesus is our only example of a partaker of the divine nature. And he described his journey from, in, and into heaven in somewhat circular terms. In other words, he described his origin and destination as the same point or location. I want you to see this in Scripture. See how he describes the process to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, starting at verse 13. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. This is John 3.13. Jesus said, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. This could be described as a circular journey. The word translated as ascended and came down or descended are the two compound Greek words, anabino and katabino. Both of these words share a common root word that means a walking journey. So Jesus is talking about a journey walking down from heaven and walking up into heaven. In other words, descending and ascending by walking or taking successive steps. Now, here's the same verse with some added definition and interpretation from the Greek. Jesus said, No one has walked up into heaven, but he who has walked down out from heaven, the Son of Man who exists in heaven. You see, I believe we are on a similar journey, just as Jesus described it to Nicodemus. Now, because he descended out from heaven and also ascended into heaven, And because he is our example, could it be possible that we also descended out from heaven and are currently on our return journey back into heaven? And if that's true, which I believe it is, could we then say that we are in heaven as Jesus did? What do you think? What is heaven anyway? Well, it's where we all want to go someday, right? Why? Because it's the dwelling place of God, right? Well, where does God live right now? 
Well, God lives everywhere, but especially in and through us in this natural world. Amen? So if Christ lives in you, if Christ is living in you right now, if the Father has made his dwelling place in you, then aren't you in heaven? And heaven is in you, because heaven is where God lives. We tend to not see it that way, but we have been instructed to seek those things which are above, right? Let's read the verse where the Holy Spirit instructs us to seek those things that are above. This is from the third chapter of Colossians, starting at the first verse. Again, from the New King James Version, Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Scripture says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, setting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now that sounds like our promise of transformation, right? Our origin is above, and we are instructed by the Holy Spirit to seek those things which are above. Seek those things where Christ is, the Son of Man who is in heaven, in other words, where he is seated at the right hand of God and in your heart. Amen? Our origin is above. Above there is a seat where Christ exists. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And in other words, he is seated in the power and strength of the Father. And we must seek what is above in order to continue our journey into the above, to ascend. Seeking, you see, is an action accomplished with our minds. In the verse where it says, seek those things above, set your mind on those things above. Don't you see that seeking involves the mind? Seeking takes place in our minds and in our hearts. Seeking is a mindset, is to set your mind to seek him. When our minds find his mind, we become changed by the touch of his intellect. When his thoughts flow into our thoughts, it changes us to think like him. It renews, it transforms and transfigures our minds. And the renewing of our minds transforms and transfigures our bodies to become like his glorious body. Seeking what is above where Christ is means seeking to touch his mind with your mind, setting that as your goal. Now, I know that's kind of hard to grasp. I know that what is above you, what is above you is what we should be seeking. But but what is above you? In the natural, the ceiling or the sky or or a tree or maybe the car roof is above you right now. But in spiritual terms, anything above you is what rules you. Now, for someone who doesn't know God, their rulership exists in their soulish self. But for the Christian, in spiritual terms, heaven is above you, and heaven is where God's throne sits. Inside a Christian heart is where God's throne exists. Inside a Christian heart, we find the Holy Spirit of God who is saving your soul. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6, again from the King James Version. This is where the Holy Spirit tells us where our Father exists. 
Ephesians 4, 6 says, There is one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. He is above, through, and in us. A spiritually blind person cannot see this. Someone who has not the Spirit of God cannot see the things of God. They can only see themselves. But a Christian can see and understand this and knows where to seek him. Therefore, when we seek him, we must seek him above us and through us and in us. Now, only God can be above, through, and in us all simultaneously. Only his spirit can be above us, through us, and in us right now. You see, he exists far above us. That's the Father. He exists through us. That's the Son. And he exists in us. That's the Holy Spirit. All things are from him above the Father. That's what Scripture says. For from him are all things. All things are from him. And that's the Father aspect. All things are through him. Through him all things were made. And that's the Son aspect. And we are currently moving through him as the body, as the Son. And all things are into him. All things consummate in him as spirit because he is spirit. Scripture also says, in him we live and move and have our being. In other words, in him we live and we move and exist. And Jesus said, no one comes to the Father above, that's our origin, except through the Son. John fourteen six says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one returns to the origin, in other words, the Father, except through Jesus. And we can only return into the origin of the Father as Spirit, because He is Spirit. And our return journey is initiated, led, and consummated in the Holy Spirit. It begins from our perspective when the Holy Spirit enters our hearts and begins to change us. But it begins from his perspective when he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, the cosmos, the orderly arrangement of all things. Here's how the Spirit described the beginning of our journey. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, again from the New King James Version. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that word world there is cosmos, which means the orderly arrangement of everything. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That is the promise of godliness. That's the promise of becoming like him. That's what godliness means, to be godlike, godlikeness. So he chose us in him at our origin, at our beginning. And then as we are moving or journeying through him, we begin our ascension back into him as adopted sons, growing up ascending into the head. 
and with the ultimate destination of being face-to-face with him in love, and that is being in him. The word translated as before in verse 4 of this of this scripture implies before his face, or being face-to-face, being able to see him face-to-face. And we know when we can see him like that, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And so we can define several aspects of this circular journey. It's a journey that he planned for our perfection. It's a journey that he planned as he is making us into his likeness. This journey back into him can be easily found in four verses that we've looked at. He is above all as the Father. He is through all as the Son. And he is in all of us as the Holy Spirit. From him as the Father, through him as the Son, and into him are all things, according to Romans 11.36. In him we live as the Father, and move as the Son, and have our being or exist in the Spirit, according to Acts 17.28. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son, and only in the Spirit, because he is Spirit, as we saw in John 14.6. Our origin and our destination are known. Well, I believe it's good to know our our origin and our destination. The failure to know the origin and destination causes about 99.99999% of the problems in this world today, in my opinion. When people don't know or don't believe that they originated in God, they have no accountability or sense of greater purpose in their lives. And when they don't know their ultimate destination, they either make up stories about reincarnation or else refuse to believe in any life after death or claim to be atheists or agnostics. Well, they definitely refuse to believe that there will be consequences for their decisions after they die. And the truth is, most people begin paying dire consequences caused by their decisions right here on earth before they ever face their maker. But we are learning that our journey toward becoming a partaker of the divine nature is a journey through Christ. And we rely on him to help us with every step as he leads us upward by his Holy Spirit, growing up into him. And we know it's a hard journey. Oh, there's joy along the way, but much of it is a difficult upward trek. We are experiencing the difficulties and the triumphs that make us overcomers in him. Paul wrote it this way to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 12, Paul wrote, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are moving through Christ, you see. We are learning how to be abased or made low through this journey in Christ. And we are learning how to abound or overflow with abundance through this journey in Christ. We are learning how to be full or satisfied and also how to be hungry or crave more. We are learning how to have more of him than we need and what to do when we need more of him than we have, setting our mind on him. 
and it's all because we are accomplishing His will through Christ who strengthens us. We are moving through Him. You see, there's a process of moving through Him. We are returning to the Father through Him. We are learning to be partakers of the divine nature through Him, and we are gaining intimate knowledge about Him with every new step in this walk upward through heaven as He leads us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or Abundant Life Ministries, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at abundant underscore life at att.net. Again, that's abundant underscore life at att.net. Until next time, we pray grace and peace for you in all things in Christ Jesus. Goodbye. Goodbye.